0: Welcome to Lily High on Life. And today we have a really special guest, a wonderful woman. Her name is Razel Fogel. Razel, thank you for joining us today. It's my privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Razel is something that's known by everybody I've spoken to as a Gutha neshama in the Jewish uh, language. A neshama is a spirit, and a githa is somebody who's got a very good heart and a really good spirit. So to be known by that, by so many women, is is a blessing from what I could gather. Um, Razel is from the Orthodox Jewish community, rather than the secular Jewish community. And the Orthodox community she's from is a group called Adas. She, I'm going to have her explain a little more about that. But just to give you a very broad uh, broad overview, um, she's one of six children and has six children and is it... One of five. F- one of five. One of five. Five children but had six children and uh, she's got 40... 40- 45 grandchildren and how many great-grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren and in addition to all those family responsibilities she also runs an extremely successful catering business and a full-time store a food store and on top of that she's a doula and and helps women give birth to their children and saw the need for and therefore opened up her own uh, area for women after they have children to come and rest, relax, and so she can psychologically and mentally as well as physically look after them after all of that. Um, So we'll go into a few of those things and what it's like growing up in a big family and then having one of your own. Um, But, Razel, please, tell us a bit about the Adas community. You took part in a film, uh, TV program, that was made. So um, at the same time as you're telling us a bit about it, perhaps you could mention some of the things that surprised you when you were making the TV show and then when you got feedback about it afterwards. Right. Um, so shall we start with...
1: What's ADAS? What does that what is mean? ADAS, well, Adas is, a, is really a um, post-Holocaust... It's a post-Holocaust token to what people wanted to see rebuilt after they lost so much of their lives in Eastern Europe, and their purpose and mission was to rebuild what they had lost with a passion and endurance and a physical stamina that's... Nothing stood in their way. This was going to happen with the little funds they had, with, with the hours they worked, with the with the support of the individuals that decided we're going to grow, we're not going to let Hitler win, and they grew, and they were strong. And on those basis, we still, we ride on that at the moment, um, being the children of Holocaust survivors. They have shown us immense courage and power and the 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 real message is you never give up there's there's nothing that can stand in your way if you want it to happen and they made it happen
0: great message and um therefore the five six or more children that many members have and grandchildren that come out of them very understandable
1: yeah, yeah, and um, you know, very staunch Adas members. And although a lot of our children end up living overseas, which is very unfortunate, um, they marry overseas, or the the shores take them there's some brighter futures or bigger and better. But the actual the the cracks of Adas, the 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 people who have watched watch their parents really sacrifice so much to have what we have, are so proud to be Adas, and and want to want to keep that going, keep that alive and try
0: and keep growing. and Within the religious context of the re- Torah.
1: Yeah, definitely within the religious context of Torah and not to move away from what our ancestors, so to speak,
0: imbued in us. What do you remember from early childhood about this explanation of the way you live and what you live as a community? When did that and how did that start fostering in you? Oh, well, it was a huge sense of pride. Um, I remember
1: when the school opened, that was after years of my father going out every single Sunday, collecting funds to make this school school building happen. And I so vividly remember going to that school opening. I don't think that I, I can remember another happy day like that in my life, other than my siblings' weddings and things like that. That was the... You couldn't have made my dad happier. He worked so hard to achieve that. And when that, it was called the Chanukah Shabbat—is the opening of a new place. And, you know, it was it was a huge event. And, like, as a child, to remember that so vividly, it just shows me how proud I was to be part of that community and so proud of my dad who worked so hard five days a week. And that one Sunday he had, and he was exhausted, and, you know, all everything was new to them and having a family. And he would go out religiously with a the little man came to pick us him up and he had a little yellow car, I still remember it like today, and off they went for hours and then every, then every Sunday morning he'd take us to watch the building grow and expand and you know hear the pie I could remember him was clearly saying, even though I was very young when he died, sadly, I can remember saying, Oh, they've laid the pipes already. It was like his own investment, but it wasn't an investment like you build a house or a block of flats, which he managed to do as well. It was his future investment in the community. And that It was just so noble looking back because such dedication is really, unfortunately, I think you have to live through a Holocaust to want to build like they did. And it wasn't only my father, it was a whole group of people.
0: Razel, was there ever a time or ever uh, a situation that you remember where you even considered perhaps living in a different way?
1: Oh, there was no I, I loved the way I lived the only hardship I had was I was the only girl in my class right through school so that worked okay when I was until high school when we learnt with the boys it's not Jewish studies but secular so I had good friends like I was friendly with the boys and we had we had a class the same age and we could do things together with, with a, within limits of course but when as I grew older and I had to separate from the boys we went into high school of course the girls and boys were segregated and um i never had girls my own age so i made friends with girls that were younger than me either but there was a huge generation gap like in three classes there were two girls wow so, um, yeah, then I, I begged my mother to take me to put me into another school, but I, I knew she wouldn't. I don't even know if I wanted to go, but it was – but never more than that, no, going to shul
0: or going, that was always out. But there was never a point. question that you wouldn't follow Torah or you wouldn't No, follow. no, I never
1: felt I felt extremely secure and, and, and sure about where I am and why I've, been, why I've been chosen to be part of that. No, never had any questions.
0: So being involved with the, the SBS television show – just briefly, how did that come about, and what did you learn about the community you come from when explaining it to others?
1: Okay, so how did it come about? I don't know somebody dobbed me in as they usually do, like I've got dobbed into this, um, and we thank you for that. <laughs> that's a pleasure. Um, I didn't realise how much. They'd be on my backs for two years, those good men, chasing me around and making me do this and making me do that. And every time their phone rang and they were on it, oh, no, not again. So I never realised how much work goes into a, an, into a television production because I don't have television and I don't watch it much. Um, what I learnt about the US community is something that I'm, I'm, It was really interesting and one of the very interesting things I found was when uh, they wanted to go to the Jewish cemetery. And um, I said to them, it's not like another cemetery you go to when you don't know on the who's on the right, who's on the left, who's on the back, who's in the front. You just go to the designated graves that you wish to visit of your family or friends. Well, with this, our cemetery, I know every single person. I know their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. I know they were founders. I, I remember some of them, handwritings. My father used to work on the committee, and I remember Mr. Richtman. He was one of the amazing people who ran the whole, you know, side of the, the financial side. I still remember clearly his handwriting in the books. So it's very, very different. I then realised it sort of hit me like a, a, a you know, like a thunderbolt or a, a ray of lightning, that these are people, I it's my history, and I know every single person that's buried in the cemetery, and that was sort of the whole picture came to life because it's very unique and nowhere in the world or very few places in the world is so, so intertwined
0: and what about the feedback you got oh, after that was incredible it was shown?
1: I kept telling people I haven't been offered a million dollars for a for a show Yes, but uh, still haven't been many years later. But it was incredible. People stopped me in the street, non-Jewish people. They said, oh, thank you so much for enlightening us. And a lot of Jewish people, uh, you know, people through the business that I know. And even in hospitals where I work as a doula, they go, were well, you that woman on the?" And I recognize you because you have that many grandchildren. I saw the pictures on the wall. And for years, really, literally years, and occasionally now, but for the first two years, I would say, People stop me all the time.
0: And so did they, did you have a lot of input into the actual content? No. Or were they just, they just told you what they wanted you to do? They
1: had questions, I answered their questions. Um, No, they they were, as, as much as they nudged me, they were great at what they did. And it was—it's been shown many times. People still tell me today, or even maybe up to six months
0: ago, people say, "I watched your video last night." On so they
1: obviously they're still showing it. And
0: from your family, from your siblings and your kids, what was what their reaction?
1: Well, my, my kids are, are sort of more—they're uh, they're not so uh, open-minded. I shouldn't say maybe open-minded; they're not narrow-minded either. But they wouldn't be—they weren't comfortable going on TV. But I did ask a rabbi, and they said that if it's something positive for the Jewish community, I must do it.
0: And obviously it was. Because it was
1: extremely, it was extremely, uh, uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great eye-opener for a lot of people. Um, of course, you know, we still get the flack, and everybody, when there's something that goes a little bit wrong, everybody goes into the same basket, all Jews and all, doesn't matter if you're Orthodox or not. But at that time, it was very enlightening and uh, it was good. It came out extremely well and favourable.
0: So, Razel, there are people that are procrastinators and there are people that are doers. And It seems to me that you're one of those people that just does what needs to be done. You don't even think about um, what it's going to require beforehand. Is that how you threw yourself into... The catering and the shop and everything else as well?
1: The catering, the, sh- the business is a different. I mean, the, pa- the business was our parents. They, they established that way back. And I was always involved in the business because my father died when I was nine. So I was in business literally from nine. So I was helping my mum and doing the books with her late at night. And, you know, all so, of you? All you? No, um, my older sister was involved till she had children. But I was sort of growing up at nine. My older brother went to Yeshiva. So I was sort of left to be mum's, not partner, but I took a lot of it on, even though I... Did they
0: come in and help as well?
1: um, Yeah, my little sister did and my older sister did, yeah. But I was sort of, I think, the main. And then my husband came home from yeshiva and my brother, who was in yeshiva at the same time as him, organised that he should get a job with my mum. So we really were her... the main support so my other sister helped a lot too but that was more when my father was alive
0: and did your mother really um start the business with your dad as a mm, partner mm, 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 so she was involved to she start was very with. involved
1: but then he died you know died very young and she was left with it and she wanted to support us and support us well she didn't want us to be like you know charity cases so she always gave us the best of everything the way she could do that was to work full-time in the business and she built up a very good name she had a everybody knew was Hofstede's poultry and everybody knew my mum and people came to her from far and wide for advice and business advice and family advice and she counseled people she was she was a terrific mind terrific mind
0: so you remember the time that you lost your father really well Yes, I remember
1: when I lost him, but sort of a lot of it's a blur as well because children weren't, uh, children were sort of seen and not heard much in those days. So it was all around the Bow Way that we found out. And was it an accident or No, no, he had, he had cancer. He had pancreatic cancer. And we were sort of told, him he'll get better, we'll make a big party. And then when he actually died at home, my mother brought him home to die. Um, it was Pesach. And we were taken away and we weren't told till Pesach was over. And the morning he died, I wanted to run home, but I was scared of the dog next door so I had feelings, but I wasn't actually... We were nine and my little sister was six, so you know, they, had to, they wanted to protect us.
0: And you got used to... I mean, it was a, a difficult new way of being. I'm sure you had your own personal relationship with your father. Yeah, which I
1: don't remember much of.
0: And at the same time, things were very different.
1: Yeah, but we sort of got used to I think children are resilient. I think that it hit me much more later on when I became a mother and I didn't have the pleasure of sharing that with him and things like that and even now I miss him probably more than I did when I was nine I was stupid and foolish at nine what yeah, did I know true. you know I went back to school I went and had my friends and so things changed a bit but thank god we had um my sister two of my sisters were married so they used to come a lot and they brought their children so there was always a distraction and I used to go and help them with their kids so we, we survived quite and- well and we had a grandmother which was a big thing
0: uh, your fathers or mothers? Mothers. So
1: she um, she was really the anchor in the home and cooked and made sure everything was all. She was always home for us when we came home from school. So it was it was a big blessing. She was a, she was a real blessing.
0: And it was a large, busy household because with everybody with that many people in it, as well as all the business things that you were all now a part of and had to be involved with. Did you feel at any time that you had your own dreams or hopes for the future or...? I
1: always um, hoped that to have a very open home and have a lot of visitors. That was always my dream, and thank God, God has helped me fulfil that dream. Not now in COVID. <laughs> well, COVID no, is I, a whole different yeah ball game. But um, yeah, we used to, we have a lot of overseas visitors coming and staying, and people. Yeah, we used to have a lot, and uh, I loved that. And I always wanted to have that come and go and busy, and yeah, because and, yeah.
0: you obviously did very well at school. The other thing people said about you was that was that you were very very, very bright. I'm um, Streetwise. <laughs> streetwise is good too.
1: I didn't love school. I can't say they were the best years of my life except for the not much social. But I did have very good friends who I'm still friends with today. Mainly boys. Um, the boys not so much because we had to sort of separate. Um, it was very, that was like Bar Mitzvah and Bar Mitzvah was the off age. But, yeah, I had a couple of girlfriends, um, one especially who lives in Sydney and we've kept up and, you know, they stay with us when they come down. And,
0: and how old were you when you got married? 18,
1: just under 18.
0: Uh, and you, then you pretty quickly started having your own kids as we well. Yeah, 19, we had our first, yeah. So, and you saw from your sisters and from your parents, you knew what life was going to be and, and you seem to have embraced it in yeah, your I think own it's way. Yeah,
1: that when you travel it yourself, it's very different. It's not like you know when I had my nieces and nephews who I adored I used to walk with them on the street they wish, wishing they could be mine why do I have to <laughs> give them back but um, when you have your own children it's a very different ball game the sleepless nights and the worries and the you know the toothaches and the hair headaches And you the, want to give them back and you can't yeah so it's different <laughs> but I certainly had a lot of experience so yeah I took to it pretty naturally well, it wasn't and, always easy. Even.
0: And did the, um, the doula stuff just sort of happen? or?
1: So the doula stuff was I've always wanted to be a nurse. That's really my was my ambition in life, to be a nurse. But, of course, that wasn't something that I would have considered when my kids were young. Um, and... I, even as a young girl, I was quite young in school, and I made a, um, a project on Florence Nightingale, which was probably old-fashioned today to make projects by writing and researching, and it's everything's on the computer. But I had a book; I think I still have it somewhere. Oh, I've still
0: got an encyclopedia, full set of encyclopedias. Yeah.
1: So I, I researched, and I've always wanted to be a nurse. So in a way, I was to people who came and went and. And then
0: you I, actually worked as a nurse. You worked for Danny Lanza.
1: For yeah, I was his. I was his receptionist. No, I was his office man. Office of uh-huh. uh, something. Office man. Yeah, that was just a bit of a stint. When our son joined the business, I decided I'd let him grow in you know. it. So I asked Danny for a job, and he said you can start tomorrow. And um, after three months, he had an unpleasant experience with his last practice manager, and he rang me and said, "Can you be a practice manager?" I, said, I haven't got a clue how to do it. He says, "You'll learn." <laughs> Um, so anyway, I started nursing, actually. But the eight-hour shifts, I didn't have such good feet. They were too long. And that was at Emmy Monash. I had sort of a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. But the head of Emmy Monash at the time was a wonderful Russian lady. also, know, just a beautiful person. And she said to me, look, we're not letting you go. So just we're going to open up a shift for you just for four <laughs> hours. Even if you're not going to do nursing, you'll become a personal assistant, whatever it's called then. I can't remember exactly. And I did five years there, and I just loved everything. It was really the best part of my
0: Gosh, so you had on. a family business, but you went out? So,
1: four hours a day, I did three or four times a week from 7 to 11, and then I went straight to the business. I loved it though. The, the, uh, I love aged care because when you're doing aged care, you re- the people really love you for who you are. You can't fool, you know, it doesn't matter what jewelry you wear, what car you drive, or what house you live in, or how much money you have or haven't got. They love you because you're razor. Yeah. And that's the beauty I love in children because they don't, they, they just they take your essence. They don't take the parameters, what's all around, all yeah. the rubbish, you know, all the things that we fool people with many times. They take the essence of who you are, and that heart just grew and grew and grew. And I love those people so much. As some of the children even keep in touch with me still today. So I couldn't finish nursing. So my friend said, Look, you don't need to do nursing, just become a doula. So I said, OK, I'll do a course, big deal. And yeah, and snowballed
0: from there. And, well, you had the experience of having your own children at of that course, stage? Of course, yes.
1: Yeah, so that really helped me probably more than I had already six children, yeah. They were grown up. I wouldn't have, It's not something you can do when you've got small children because you're on of call course. all the time. Shabbat yontif, doesn't matter, it doesn't differentiate. Babies come when they're ready. So it's quite a, a commitment and you can't say, I'm sorry, I'm having dinner now or I'm, I'm you know, my, my kid, I don't have a babysitter for my child. It's not something you can do because the women are sort of...
0: And your husband's you. obviously supportive.
1: There's no way you can do it without a supportive husband. Not only is he supportive, he encourages it and he's helpful. Like, I lost my licence for three months because I was going from one birth to another and I went through a red light and, and I lost my licence. So he would wake up four in the morning and take me and pick me wow. out. And you can't do it. It's, it's more than support. It's actual help. Or if I'm, you know, late, he'll prepare dinner and he'll have it on the table waiting and he won't eat until I come home and all those things which are more than support. They're really, like... Yeah, he can't, he can't. I get woken up at the drop of a hat or a as People come knock on my doors and take me away and he doesn't know if I'll be back for lunch or dinner and he'll wait for me. So there's no way you can do How this. How
0: many times did you meet him or know him before oh, you married oh, him? Well, I worked together
1: really, so I knew him quite well. Oh, Because okay. we didn't have a, uh, any conversation. But but it wasn't a proper shidduch, shidduch. It was a shidduch, shidduch. It, it was, was That was shiddich. my brother's idea by sending him to Eshel to come and work for us oh. and then, you know, that it would be good for me eventually. So I knew his character already then, even though we didn't have much from observing him, But no, it was definitely a shitter, my brother's idea, sending him to the shop, here. Yeah.
0: And it sounds like it's really weathered the storm of time as well. Absolutely, thank God, we should stay both healthy and be able to enjoy <laughs> everything we've got, yeah. Because <laughs> when you look at relationships and people who have been married for a very long time, particularly here in Australia, I lived in LA for quite a number of years, And it is different, and even in the Jewish community, Orthodox community, it's a bit different. But here in Melbourne, relationships seem to be more real, and a lot of my friends have grown together. So they got married, they had their kids, and they still enjoy spending time with each other, even though they have grandkids and great-grandkids. Definitely, definitely. What's... What's that kind of nourishment and nurturement like, both giving and receiving it at this stage of your life when you...
1: Well, it's extremely comforting to know somebody who's going to be your best friend and is going to always be there by your side when you're down, when you're up and and share and enjoy and just and also that the children are out there's not much friction because you know like sometimes when your children are growing up and there's a lot of kids and you're tired and he's tired and he's trying to make a living so that that's all taken out of the equation so if you get get on then it's just nice being together and and you know that he's your best friend. Like when, you know, I've been through illness, I've been through a bit of, you know, nothing major, but he's always been there for me and, and I've always been tried to be there for him. And it's just very comforting. It's really a nice feeling to know you're safe and you're loved and you're the most important person in, in his life and I'm he's the most important person in my life and everything will revolve around him. And I find that very... people want to have, you know, they want to have equality and all that. I'm just so happy to be a woman and to prepare my husband's dinner. I have no problem with that.
0: And the friends that you've kept and nurtured from school, do you find that their relationships with their spouses are pretty much in that same space? I'd say so. I'd say so. Most of
1: they them? They'll want to stay together and be together and live, live till uh, ripe old age together. Yes, I'd say from so. From
0: what I've seen, I would say that's the greatest gift you can give your children for them to live in a house that has that kind of relationship.
1: Look, they're, they're, they've definitely seen you know, anger and, and, and downtime too it's not always yeah. A better bro. but yeah they say that they keep saying that because they say how lucky they were to grow up because they see so many other things around the place one of my daughters is a, she does marriage counselling and um, I've got a daughter who moved to America four years ago and she still repeats it often how grateful she was to grow up in like you know dinner time was dinner time and you know, you had to be in the house and you when Tati didn't let her go for a walk at nine o'clock at night she would throw a tantrum. She's just she's so grateful now for all those things that we did give her rather than what we didn't give her. Mm. Yes, they often bring it up.
0: And do you find that your children are like you and your husband? Do you find that you see your own traits in them?
1: Um, yes, definitely. You see some of your traits in them. Um, I also find the big difference is that I, because I'm a, both my husband and I are children of Holocaust survivors I see a much calmer Sense in them, like when when I had babies, I was always worried they should leave and they shouldn't be sick and they shouldn't die and they shouldn't uh, have any problems. And whereas them, you know, if a child child's got a temperature, oh yeah, maybe they've got a temperature. Whereas I would know exactly at every area what temperature there was, and, and 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 you know, will they end up really sick or will they end up in hospital? Where I was a drama, everything was always a drama. Whereas they're much so much calm. I said, so, oh, maybe I should be feeding the baby. I'm not sure when I fed it last. Whereas I could have told them a week the history like in hospital are so concerned they shouldn't be dehydrated or they shouldn't be underfed or, you know, that they should just go and eat their vegetables and everything was so because we are more anxious. There's no question about it. So they, I think, enjoy always enjoyed my children, I was infatuated with them, but I don't think I had that capacity to enjoy. The nerves always kicked in, which i uh, That's probably the only thing, I'm sorry, that I couldn't sit back and enjoy more and just trust that it's all going to be okay.
0: But you can feel that now, and you go with that more now with the grandkids. Yeah, I still want them all to be healthy, 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 healthy. Could,
1: you know? of, course, yeah. of course, of course, of course. want them to, And then once they're healthy, you want them to succeed, you want them to find good shidduchim, and you want them to be happy, and... The list is endless, <laughs> but thank God, we're very
0: blessed. And um, how often do you do this doula work now? So
1: it, now, you know, now they've just stopped, as I said, doulas coming in a this, this, this couple of weeks ago, um, but it averages out about three a month. And then this during the year. So sometimes I'll have six a month, seven even, and sometimes I'll have nothing for six weeks. And then I'll have you know four back to back. But they've, because of COVID, they no, stopped No, no, to do no, that. no, no. Oh, now yeah, now yeah. because of COVID. So they had that for a while. and We've got exemptions now that I want not give exemptions anymore. So we're, we're still trying to write letters and see what we can do. My husband's pushing me. You do it. You fix it up. You can do it. <laughs>
0: Um, So how long ago did you and how did you and how long ago did you realise that there was a real need for this extended stay?
1: Yeah, well, that's always been, um, I think there's always been passionate about it, always get upset when there's so many things that are... um, you know, like the glossy papers where you see Princess Diana on the front page or Princess whoever she's is now. Uh, yeah. What's her name? Though? Megan. Megan, well, the older
0: one. Carol, what's her name? Oh, Catherine.
1: Catherine, yeah. And, you know, they're twenty twelve hours after birth, they're standing there <laughs> smiling with high heels and lipstick. Yeah, sure, if you're a princess, that works. It's great. You've got 25 nurses looking after your baby. But I just feel there's this... this, this um, almost passion that you've got to show everybody you're managing well and you've got to be outside school five days after birth and you know, in your high heels with your lipstick on, oh, show the world it's fantastic. Well, no, you've got to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself, then your body won't look after you. So I felt a really huge need, like people now, the public system, which half of my girls go public because health insurance has become so expensive, they're, 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 they're shoved out of hospital after six hours. And uh, they don't get that time to nurture their baby themselves. They don't, they don't even realise they've had the baby you come home after six hours yeah you can't even fathom that so if you come to our home and you just stay in a nice quiet space room and you just feed the baby when it needs to be fed and you don't panic the baby's up four hours at night because you can sleep in the morning no noise no kids you get three nourishing meals a day and snacks Mm -hmm. and you're just in a cocoon and if you every day I see the woman's getting stronger and more color to her face unfortunately not a lot of people use it because I think they feel a bit intimidated even though it's a separate entrance and they never have to come into my home because it's connected but they don't don't have to the self-contained little place th- well, my, my, my dream is to make it into something that's going to be um stand on its own and um, we're working on it. I've got Professor Manaham who's extremely involved um, trying to speak to all kinds of um, people who might be able to help. We're looking for donors. We, I really want to establish something that we've spoken to the council. There was, Some have got a property, some have got this idea, i was spoken to Jewish Care, but nothing's actually formulated. I've got somebody, also we've done a study only on 12 mums and and that got published in a. Doc, Sam Ennahm had a student who did a who did a like a, um a, what's it called a thesis th- not the a PhD. thesis but a, a, yeah something and and her her outcomes were published in a medical journal so it was very very powerful, but when you're looking for funding you've got to have something a bit more substantiated than twelve minutes. Women. so i 've got a lot more women out to interview so I would like to take it to the next step so once we have that data the government will be more happy Will be happier to sort of come and listen and, and maybe give us something grants and we can establish something that 's away from my home so it's sort of self, self standing so women will feel more comfortable Comfort. using I think
0: and it sounds like well by necessity that this is something that 's so one on one and intense. Even and especially just giving the giving birth part itself, where you need to remove yourself from everything else that's happening around you.
1: See, in the olden days, you've got 10 days
0: in hospital. When I was giving birth, you could stay 12 days.
1: Some people stayed two weeks. Nobody came home after six hours. Mm. So they got fed. They rested. You know, you had visiting hours. You had a nursery at night. That doesn't exist anymore with the baby 24-7. So you're better off actually coming home, if you're well, and coming to our home because you don't get disturbed by nurses and everything. You just Mm. rest. And then I've got outside people that I can source that will always help. Like I've got a psychiatric nurse that's a friend that's always happy to help. I've got other midwives. I've got people I can ask and... Professor Manham has been amazing, we've set up a little committee and um, he really wants to push this because even in, he spoke to somebody I think in the children's hospital and they said there's nothing for, it's, called, it's a whole article that was written for well, well mothers but who need support, it's not you know, like everybody, there's huge services available for the really bad mums who need a lot of help, psychiatric issues and stuff like that I'm not managing but there's no help for a well mother. And this is where this gap is huge. To make it a, um,
0: um, an easier, more Adjustment, pleasant yeah, Yeah, nobody's occasion. ready to go
1: after nine months of pregnancy and giving birth and looking after a newborn 24-7, nobody's ready to go home and just after six hours and start putting the washing in and start cooking dinner. It's just not feasible.
0: Razel, what motivates you to do this? I'm
1: passionate about women looking after themselves, maybe because I didn't have much help. My mum... Um, moved overseas when we had our third child and I was sort of a bit on my own. So some of those times were, even though my husband was extremely supportive, but I, I needed a mother and I didn't have that. And I just think that women are too harsh on themselves, which I am, I still am. Um, and I really think they need to just realise that they're so special and they've done such a great job and they deserve to have those few days without feeling guilty, without owing anybody anything just to nurture themselves and bond with their babies not that they wouldn't bond if they were home but just to sleep when the baby sleeps eat when the baby
0: eats you know so even when you have you because
1: I just think people are
0: so overextended well you experienced the need as well yeah and you even after the sixth child sixth even having six children the last one is not that much easier than the first because Uh, I didn't find
1: it easier no everybody said oh it's so easy I had a 15 year old daughter and of course she helped, but the responsibility is always yours it's not the children's so you don't put that mm. yeah so um, it's, it's hard work and it's the most rewarding work and I have no regrets whatsoever in that you know thank god we had six I mean it would be lovely to have more but thank god we've got six and um, but it's hard work and women are not supported enough they carry far too much and especially after birth. I think they need more support in everything but I can't do everything not yet but at least in this field, and you know, put them under good people, like a chiropractor if their back is bad, and a massage person if they need that, and all those services which can benefit them to give them long-term benefits.
0: Do you ever just sit down and read a stupid book? And when I say stupid. <laughs> You don't have time to read. I don't have time.
1: I enjoy to doven. I love connecting and I love saying my Helena, So that's what I... I'm, I'm sitting and I put my feet up in my recliner. I won't just read a book. Very seldom I'll do something that's more useful. I do you go away for a couple so we used of days? to, Yeah, so we used to go away with friends and, and you know, we with friends in Chelsea, but it hasn't happened over the last couple of years. Gone away. Yeah. No we used to travel quite a bit. Um, overseas, simplest. We missed. We're missing our fourth grandchild's wedding now. Wow, the fourth one. We've had four weddings this in this you know fifteen you months. or not month or You can What? So how many of your children are overseas? Too many. <laughs> Two <laughs> to live overseas. One in Vienna. His the weddings in a couple of weeks, less than a couple of weeks. And the one daughter moved to America. We had five out of
0: six here, and then one. Our son-in-law. Decided. And they're all married. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, God. Got children. And um, so. And did you try to get an exemption to go to the wedding? You yeah. haven't even tried. You haven't no, because been... our,
1: our son is overseas. He had to marry off his daughter overseas. So he's away and he couldn't get back. His flights were cancelled with the whole family. He went last year for three months to marry off his son and the wedding for the daughter was supposed to be here and the whole family was supposed to be together. You know, my sister, my brother live overseas and they all would have come, but that didn't happen. So he had to go marry her off where she's engaged to, to Canada. So he's not back. So if he was back... In the if business, sure. then maybe, oh, not that excited about quarantine and everything, but we might, but we can't leave the business it's out of question. I mean, somebody's got to stay.
0: So how has coro- the coronavirus actually impacted your family, you and your family personally? Huge,
1: hugely. Well, firstly, we can't travel. We can't see the kids. I haven't seen the kids for two years, which is huge for us. You know, even if we don't travel, that would have, some of them would have come or something would have happened and we would have gone to the weddings because that's very important to them and to us. Um, And the business is not a business. I mean, there's no catering. There's no simplifest. There's no shuls. Just takeaway Shul and the takeaway. And also because people weren't entertaining, they weren't. They're not buying, you know, like there's usually people come and they buy and have families for lunches. So people just made do with less,
0: ate less. And you've seen your grandkids less and... You've, uh, I don't know how to ask it because In the I don't want anybody them. to, yeah, no. but I mean, I personally think this whole lockdown thing is craziness and, oh, yeah. and if I had children or grandchildren, I would be hugging them, kissing them and having them over. Well, initially we didn't because our daughter was very yeah. scared.
1: She said, you know, this is a really bad, vibe." Blah, 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 blah. And then as the, then they opened up after the first round, um, which was only a short lockdown, then we, um, then we started seeing them and we definitely see them.
0: Um, and so it's – so. yes, well, but until you get the go-ahead from Dan, everything's still –
1: Well, people are booking now again and they're starting to get in cramping. Because they said weddings.
0: November was –
1: But we don't know. It could be changed. I mean, we've had symptoms we had a, a big kiddish on a last year before a wedding – and at 11 o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, he cancelled it. So they did the wedding on that day instead of the following Sunday. And we took all the food to them for Chevrolet. It was crazy. It was, just, it was really deliberate. At one stage, all we did was tearing up our quotes. And you know, we sat with them. We tasted them. We did all the hard work. The staff rosters, the buying, the, you know, buying, ordering everything. For months, we work weeks ahead, I work with closely with my son, my husband 's in sort of the other side of the things and and hours we spent and days and preparing and tastings and goodness knows, and then all you did was repupple the functions mm. and Some people took their weddings understandably so to venues where they could have fifty, so we lost the whole function it 's not like we 're going to have it again. It was pretty deliberating, yes. It was pretty depressing, but uh, you move on and you thank God that you're well and you can breathe. A lot of people couldn't.
0: And that was going to be my next question. So, what are the blessings? And you say, thank God you're well. And yeah, I've,
1: I've always tried. You know, whenever I got a bit, I think, just hang on, stop there, Razel. You can breathe, you can sleep, you've got a beautiful room to go to, you've got a hot shower, yes. plenty of food. Kids come and go a little bit here and a little bit there. I do babysitting and, um, yeah, some it's blessing. I don't miss the catering side at all. at all. <laughs> I mean, my passion is the, the doula work. The catering I do because I have to do and I like doing it, but it's not my passion.
0: The, the health and is there is anything else passion. that's sort of going on in your head that you think maybe one day you might like to try as well? well, I would
1: love to get this home up and running and, you know, be in charge of it and give people lots of massage and hugs and tell them they validate all their feelings and, yeah, I'd like to have it, you know, have 10 women at a time and give everyone some special attention and that's really my dream. That's really my dream at the moment. It, sounds it will wonderful. happen, it will happen, but it's going to take a little bit of so time and Hashem can make anything happen.
0: I believe that. Whatever your mind can conceive, you can definitely achieve. Yeah, I'm
1: not such a... My my, my strength is not in organisational skills. My strength is in keeping up doing... Like I'm not like it's hard for me to approach people to ask for help. If I could do it myself, I'd do it myself. But you know, you've got to wait till this one and this politician and Josh Burns and Southwick and yes, maybe an if
0: and what and it's. But I'm you know saying. that it's actually a mitzvah for them. So when you're asking somebody for something, you're giving them, them the, the opportunity, opportunity yeah. to be yeah, blessed. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I, I, yeah, I think we have to go. It's something you have to go within steps. So the next thing is we're going to speak to somebody, maybe make another, get another student to do a wider. Scale, yeah, yeah. Assessment and then go from there. S-
0: and you get to know these women quite well when yes. you're going through this yes. with them. Yes. Um, how can I put this? Are there situations where you find that their partner might need help in being a lot more supportive? Generally, definitely.
1: are. Uh, you know, some I've been quite close to and, and concerned about, but you can only help people as much as they want to help themselves.
0: Is and that your friend, the woman or the partner? Both. Both,
1: Both. yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've been heavily involved in some. But you, you can't push if they don't want. It's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going yep. yep. to work. And it doesn't work. People have to be open to want to change.
0: Right. What differences do you see um, today with your great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren and when you were bringing up your kids In the kids themselves, in the way that they respond to society and their parents and everything else. I think it's in
1: our orthodox community, we're very blessed. I can't see any difference at all. So that's a huge, a huge, yeah, that's I mean, a huge I, difference. When I do catering and things outside that, which I do, not, not, definitely not only religious. And I see the way the kids talk to their parents. It's not on by us. It just doesn't go. There's no such swearing or using, saying, "Oh, mum, you have got a clue what I want" or anything like that. It just the doesn't disrespect happen. doesn't happen. Doesn't it? The- it does not happen. I in, in, definitely not happen. In I don't know what happens in other families. But definitely not in the community. Nobody, you know. Sometimes I'll say something sweet and cheeky, but it's not. Yeah. It's not real chutzpah. It's just innocent. Yeah. Yeah. But no way, no way. We are very blessed. Also, they don't have foreign, foreign, um, you know, avenues to explore. Like they don't have computers. They don't have television. They don't have. They're not watching games of shooting and hitting. And they just, don't have mobile phones. No, 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 no. They wouldn't. And no. I'm, I'm considered very modern, having an iPhone. They just have dumb
0: phones, all of them. Wow, it's a wow on two levels. It's It's a wow. It's really
1: wow. You might call us backward. You might call us, uh, you know, stupid. You might call us
0: uninformed. No, but the results that you have in the kids.
1: I mean, they come every afternoon on the way back from school. They play today. Our babysitter for three hours. I mean, they've got dolls upstairs. They've got a doll's room. You have to see what they do with the bummies and daddies. And there's no outside influence. And even my granddaughter, she's maybe seven, eight, she tells me, Bubby, why do you have to have an iPhone? I said, darling, because I need it for the business. She goes, but put it down. (laughs) They're not interested. They're literally not interested. I said, would you like to watch a concert today? She
0: goes, "I'll, I'll listen, but I
1: won't watch. they're not interested
0: what about professions that you have to see it's a problem
1: but then anybody who wants to be educated can be educated at an older age our daughter did so many courses online in counseling and my goodness what she's done and she's 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 got a head that she remembers everything and you can definitely do education if you want to post post school and post you know where, where you're safer with the computer and you're safer with the phone and you're safer with going out there
0: it's a little bit different because of your business, the shop and the catering and everything. But do and so you know people from other Orthodox communities, from the Lubavitch community, from the other communities yeah, around that not are also Jewish. Orthodox. But yeah, would that be true typically within the community, the Edas community as I well? Think it's,
1: I think it's pretty unique.
0: I think it's pretty, pretty unique. Yeah. Okay. And it's a lot choice and it's a lifestyle choice. It's actually that's working for you. It's working
1: and the kids are happy. I mean, I observe them. I see the children a lot and they are happy. They love coming and they love being with their cousins and they want to be together and that, that's enough for them. You know, they'll play a game, they'll take out the chessboard or they'll just be silly, you know, swing on the hammocks in the garden and they love it. They really are happy. <laughs>
0: And if they are supposed to have other experiences, they will. Well, the boys
1: all have a different experience because they travel, they go to Yeshiva, right? So they see a lot and they're sort of self-sufficient and they end up seeing a lot of Israel. Our kids usually go to Israel because, um, yeah, and like one grandson got married in Belgium and he's extremely happy there, loves it, and a couple got married in, in Canada and they think it's great. You know, it's a huge Pacific gatherings there, so many shawls, and they're very, very happy. Of course, they all miss home. They love being home. But they're settled in those places because there's a lot to offer and they they blend in beautifully. So obviously we're doing something right even if we're so small.
0: And also one of the things that I was um, trying to elicit from you, which I didn't because obviously it's not necessary, is that if you had any yearnings for anything that would need to be outside the community that may not be permissible in the community. But what I'm getting is that everybody that the community itself self-generates a joyfulness that 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 you're you have everything you want to find within the community that you well, create. I, I, it,
1: I, it, that's for sure. But I think apart from that, because having big families and having grandchildren and your children coming home and, and, and spending time with you and having you know, dropping in for a cup of coffee or even just dropping in the ironing and catching up for half an hour, um, I think it's just beautiful. I think having the big family is part of our culture, but it's all, it's all intertwined. So As we have company the whole time. Like, you know, the kids come Friday night and the husbands come and pick them up after school. and some stay or meals or whatever, they'll go home and you've caught it. Oh, you know, they'll catch up Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday people come, they come for dinner again. So it's they see each other, they have their arguments, they have their fights, they have their opinions, they have their views, they each get a chance to be with each other and mm-hmm. talk about their time and what they think. And
0: Yeah, and I guess the point being that people who would look in and who might call it insula would do so because they feel that you don't get the um, you don't get to see everything else that's available in the world whereas by the same token you have everything you need yeah, and you don't it is need to no go it, but but you don't need to go out and look for anything else it is insula but i think the kids i think the kids are happy uh, yeah, I'm confident about that. They absolutely seem that way, and and from what you were offering about what your grandchildren were offering you in terms of comments about things, it's there's a real. It's really important to feel satisfied and to feel happy within yourself. I
1: believe so. I believe that they are that. And they are that, and they're not. There's not this racing with the Joneses or keeping up with the Joneses or.
0: Or even a need to find something different or something else. I mean, you you found fulfillment not only in the business that your family developed, but then in the work that you were doing. In yeah, the, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So our daughter, who didn't have a chance to study before, even though she did quite, she did quite high studying, uh, we had a teacher for her and she'd like them, things that she didn't do in school. She did extra because she was a bride. But she's gone on to now that she's got 10 children and she they're all in school. So now she's gone on to develop her talents in counselling and doing all that. And she's done it beautifully and she's built up a little business and she lectures and she teaches uh, teachers over the Zoom. Um, she teaches teacher, girls how to teach brides and all the laws and all the you know all about relationships she's developed she's written a book on it and she's developed a whole course and system and she's well really well known in the world now and she's done that all single-handedly and she's fulfilled her niche and but the family was the first, and her personal needs. Prioritising yeah. what was really important. Yeah, that's right. So she's done it, and you know it's, the other girls, who another daughter, and all built up a beautiful business with her husband, and done really well. I mean now in COVID, it's dead, but um they've all sort of found
0: their niche. It's. It sounds like everybody's happy, and that's all you want yeah. well, for your w- children. Well, we also have to work at being happy. It's not sure. just come. Well, you know, I life has its stumbling blocks, but um, there's always going to be challenges. Yeah, but no if you've where, got what? a base and you understand what it feels to be happy. And if you understand what joy is, then that's it. Yeah. You know, that's, they say Torah simcha. Torah is happiness. And in outside there, like in Los Angeles, some of the best New Age thinkers, the purpose for life is to experience joy. Hmm. So it brings around. Thank you so much, Reisel. I've really enjoyed this time with you. I hope so, and I hope the listeners will be... <laughs> also interested in
1: what I had to say and I think every person has a, their story and their own special niche Absolutely. and I encourage everybody to use that, 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 that extra thing that Hashem has granted
0: them and use it for good and what I, what I try and encourage is that people smile more every day and be kind to people yeah, so
1: and just come from love. I always tell our children that um, it's the small things in life that count, it's that phone call you make or that smile you give or that you know, thank you to say to the shopkeeper for making a difference or, you know, I have people come and I've got this particular carer who comes in for Jewish care and she's just gorgeous. And I, and, I, and I said, what's your name? I want to write to your Jewish care and tell them how fantastic you are, how you enable your elderly man to make decisions even though he needs a bit of help and you give him the... And I wrote to them and I did and she was like over the moon. Like those are the things that really count. Big bunches of flowers anybody can send. Absolutely. But it's the little things in life. So we all have that duty to do, keep doing that.
0: Thank you and may it continue.
1: Amen and good health to everybody. Amen.